So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. It'll be on the screen. And I would like to say happy birthday to my son, Brantley. He's 13 today. Yep. And I just embarrassed him, but dads can do that. And y'all please pray for us. We have uh, two teenagers in our house now. Dear Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, but I love my kids, and Brantley is a, Brantley's an answered prayer. There was a man of God up here preaching one night, and he looked at me and said, what? He said, what do you want God to do? And I said, I want a son. And I can tell you, 13 years later, I got a boy, and he's here, and I am thankful for that. <clears throat> thankful for that. Also, I want to say, please forgive me ahead of time. I am scattered. I have, I have studied all day. I got to preach tonight. I got to speak Friday night. I got to preach Sunday. Then I got to do a building dedication in Mississippi next Friday night. And I've just been, just been all day in the Word. But I want to give you what the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. I want to help somebody. I want you to leave here with your faith elevated tonight. I read an article that 75% of American adults need corrective optics of some kind. That means most of us can't see without help. How many here wears glasses or contacts? How many in here? There was a man by the name of Arthur. He was 90 years old. And he was an avid golfer. He was a good one. The problem is that he comes home one day after a golf game and he tells his wife, he said, I'm going to have to quit playing golf because I can still hit the golf ball, but I can't see where it's going. My vision is so bad, I just can't play this game anymore. She said, well, you should bring my brother next time you play. Arthur replies, well, your brother's 103. How's that going to help? She says, well, he's 103, but he's got perfect eyesight. So they went out to play golf, and Arthur teed the ball up, took a mighty swing, followed through, and it sounded really good. So he said to the 103-year-old brother-in-law, did you see where the ball went? The brother-in-law replied, of course I saw where it went. I've got perfect eyesight, unlike you. Arthur said, okay, where did it go? And the brother-in-law immediately replied, I can't remember. Because if it's not one thing, it's always another. Now, sometimes the loss of vision is not really all that funny. True story, in 2008, an 86-year-old man who was a pilot flew his airplane and crashed it. He had five passengers on board, and all of them were killed. The 86-year-old pilot had flown all his life, but they discovered that his eye doctor had been treating him for two years. Two years. He had macular degeneration. 
And the doctor said, I won't even allow him to drive, let alone fly an airplane. So his vision is what calls people to lose their life. And I was reading that today, and I thought about Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. It's imperative tonight that we don't lose our vision. Because when we lose our vision, we lose our passion. And when we lose our passion, we lose our patience. And when we lose our patience, we lose our desire for God. And when we lose our desire for God, we become disconnected. And we think it's only about us, but it's really not. It's about the other people that's leaning on our vision that we've got in our life. I'm talking about a vision that gives us the ability to see the plan and purpose of God for our future. It's convincing. It's persuasive. It causes you to believe that in your future, there's something greater that's in your present. And proper vision along with discerning assessment of what we observe is critical. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is acting like God's telling the truth in your life. You don't see it. You don't know how, when, where. But you just believe because you've got a vision that says God is telling the truth in my life. And I'm just going to keep growing in understanding of God even though I may not understand everything that he's doing. So I want to preach to you from a simple topic tonight. Vision versus sight. Vision versus sight. Some of you right now are leaning on what you see physically. And you got to pivot tonight. you got to start leaning on what you see spiritually. God's getting ready to do something in your life. You may not can see it physically, but he's working on your behalf right now. God, I need you tonight. Help me to preach your word, God. Help me to speak to these great people. Help me to give them what you've given me, God. Help me to do it with compassion, with anointing, God. Help hope arise. Help faith arise. Those watching online, bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. You may be seated. In his book, First Things First, author Stephen Covey writes about Victor Frankiel, an Austrian psychologist who survived the death camps of Nazi Germany. And he made a startling discovery about why some survived the horrible conditions and others did not. He looked at several factors, health, vitality, family structure, intelligence, survival skills, etc. And finally, he concluded that none of these factors was primarily responsible. The single most significant factor he realized was a sense of future vision. The impelling conviction of those who were to survive that they had a mission to perform some important work left to do and they just wouldn't die because God had more for their life. Survivors of POW camps in Vietnam and elsewhere have reported similar experiences. A compelling future place vision is the primary force that kept many of them alive. That's how powerful vision is. And too many people, even under my voice tonight, including myself, are making long-term decisions based on temporal situations. 
We're going through some things. Some things are happening. But we're ready just to mail it in, throw in the towel, quit, and give up. When we might be on the precipice of God bringing us through the very thing that we are going through. We need something to reach for. We need vision. We, we need to live, leave this place with something in our spirit that says, God, I have no clue what you're doing or how you're going to do it. But I believe you're working right now in my life. I believe it. I just believe that, that you're working some things out in my life. I don't know how you're doing it, but I believe you're doing it. I, I want to be like David in Psalms 27 and 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Feigning or succumbing to the circumstances and the lack of vision are connected together. People are feigning because they've lost their spiritual vision. Your desire to throw in the towel is directly related to your inability to perceive spiritual vision for your future. But I've got a word from someone. You cannot faint right now. God is doing so much more than you can see in the natural. You just need the vision to see it. The children of Israel camped out in the wilderness for a season, but it was not where they were headed. God had a promised land for them. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has sent me on a mission tonight to tell somebody, don't worry about the wilderness. Look for the promised land that God has taken you to. Come on, they didn't move unless that cloud moved that symbolizes the Spirit. Somebody needs to get spiritual vision and say, I'm not going to operate in my flesh. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Paul wrote in Galatians 3 and 3, How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? When, you, when your vision is born in the Spirit, it has to be sustained in the Spirit. And when God gives you something in the Spirit, don't get in your flesh and abort what He just gave you in your Spirit. Come on, you know exactly what I'm saying. You got a word on Sunday, but you aborted on Monday because some things happened that opposed the word that God gave you in the Spirit. You walked in here and all of a sudden something was deposited. You was like, man, things about to get better. And Monday, all hell breaks loose in your life. And all of a sudden, you say, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to this word anymore because my sight has become bigger than my vision. You've got to tap back into the Spirit, and you've got to water the vision that God gave you on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, and on Friday. I've come to let the enemy know I'm not going to let go of that vision. I've got a vision. I'm going to hold on to it. I've got to hold on to it because your vision, the vision that God gave you is governed by a time frame. The vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it. Some of us can conceive a vision, but we can't carry it to full term because we're not willing to endure the stretching and discomfort involved with the vision God has given us. God's trying to move us and stretch us and grow us and use us. And soon as life becomes uncomfortable, immediately we step out of the vision that God has given us. We rush ahead of God and our vision is canceled because we are too weak to survive. But can I remind you of Isaiah 40 and 31? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
Come on, somebody. I'm telling you. God wants to renew your vision today. The enemy's wearing you out. But God has sent me here to remind you it's not by what you see with your physical eyes. It's what he sowed into your spirit at that moment that you was praying, God, help me. Help me. Help me, God. You've got to hold your vision, but you've got to write your vision. You've got to write it down. You've you got you to gotta put it on parchment. You heard what I said. I went old school. You've got to put it on paper. You've got to write it down. And that's what God says to Habakkuk, the prophet waiting on God's answer. He doesn't understand where he is. He doesn't understand what season he's in and doesn't understand what's going on in his life. And God gives him simple instructions. He said, write the vision down. Not the problem, not the obstacle, not the need, not the lack. He said, don't write about what you like. Write the vision I gave you. Put it down, Habakkuk. What do you see, man or woman of God? Write it down. Some of you got journals, and all you write about is who, who, messed, who, who messed you up and who talked about you and how bad it is, and it's never going to be better. So somebody gets your journal? It's a log. A biography about somebody else. It's not about what God's getting ready to do in your life. Put that thing up. Throw it in the trash can and start writing about the goodness of God. I see miracles. I see growth. I see favor. I see blessings. Come on. Tonight is going to be like a country song played backwards. You're getting everything back tonight. <laughs> We're reversing it. Look, I had to write down, I had to write it down, I had to write it down. 2020, I said, the miracle's in the add-on, let's add on. And the devil said, really? I said, really? Y'all, when I tell you I had to write the vision down, and when we went through this process that took years to finish what God gave me, I literally would go back and, write, and look at the notes of Build My River. God, I wrote it down. You, <laughs> the enemy would tell me, you missed it. It's wrong. Why? Look at the challenges. Look at the opposition. Look at the obstacles. What if opposition and obstacles is based on the favor on your life and not because you've done something wrong? What if, what if, what if the favor that God placed on your life, the enemy's trying to take that off of your life? You just got to remember that you've got a vision. I wrote the vision down, and I kept going back and looking at it and looking at it. And can I tell you, the last few Sundays, we've had over 430 people in the house of God that we didn't have room for in 2020 because when he gives you a vision, you don't let the enemy take it from you. You don't let the enemy put doubt in your heart. If he gave it to you, you walk in that vision. Listen, you may, not, you may not know this about me, but I'm going to go ahead and help you. And I'm going to preach a little bit on this Sunday because I'm, I'm going to talk about the stutter of Moses. If you think I don't battle insecurity and inadequacy, you, you have no clue. First off, public speaking is the number one fear. People fear public speaking over death. They really do. If I gave you a mic, some of you would pass out right now. Just... And look, guys, I doubt it. There's some mornings I wake up and I'm like, man, I could have did real good in another profession. I, I could have. I could have. I could have excelled in something else. And then all this inadequacy and insecurity starts pipe, uh, starts, starts just coming down the pipe. And you start, you start receiving all this stuff from the enemy. 
all this stuff of God's not going God's not going to use you. God's not going to do it. Anybody ever been there but me? You're not going to make it through this. You you in a season right now where you the well seems dry. How are you going to get out of this? I can tell you how I'm going to get out of it because God has anointed me. God has given me a vision and when I don't feel him, I know he's working. And when I can't see what he's doing, I know he's working. Come on, you need to look at somebody and say, this is just a moment, but it's not my future. This is just a moment in my life, but it's not my future. You got to write it down. You got to believe it. He didn't say write the past down. He didn't say write the pain down. He said write the vision down. What do you see? What do you hope for? What do you believe? And then he says to Habakkuk, read what you wrote. Write it and then read it. Remind yourself of what I said. Remind yourself of, of, of what's getting ready to happen. Remind yourself, write it, read it, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, then walk in it. You've got to write it down, you've got to read it, and then you've got to walk on it. You've got to walk on faith, you've got to walk in faith. Vision is essential for us to push through when it feels like everything is crashing down or we're exhausted from the battle we've been in, or when we've become content with how things are and not not what can be just how they are and we're just we're content we no longer we no longer we're just operating from moment to moment we just barely making it and where there's no capacity to see beyond the natural realm people cannot restrain their sinful natures and stay dedicated and unified and doing God's will for their lives I can tell you right now when we lose vision we have no more restraint and we start doing everything that our flesh tells us to do some of our spirit man looks like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> but our flesh looks like He-Man. Because all we're doing is feeding our flesh, feeding our flesh, feeding our flesh. And our spiritual man is dying over here. And we're wondering, we're wondering why every little wind is throwing us off course in our life. So we stay emotionally depleted, physically sick, and spiritually bankrupt because we've allowed sight to override spiritual vision. And Satan understands this. That's why he sends a barrage after our eyes, frightening images that we take in every day. He fills our ears with fear-inducing voices that can effectively paralyze us. Satan wants you to see the threat and lose your spiritual vision. To demonstrate, let me describe here in Louisiana during the month of April. I don't know if you know this or not, but we get in pollen season. Pollen, I thought was of the devil, but obviously it does a lot of good, so I can't say that. But literally, yellow pollen everywhere. Just this weekend, I got my water hose out, and I started washing down my carport, and I started, I started getting all that pollen off my concrete and, and just making sure, trying, trying to knock it down a little bit, and I promise you, no matter how many times you wash it off, it seems to come back. My nose is constantly running. My voice leaves and my eyes are swelling as this powder, this yellow powder from these spring plants literally, literally messes everything up. My vision is cloudy. I got up this morning. First thing I did was take an allergy pill because literally my eyes are cloudy. They're itching. And it's the same thing spiritually. Every time you wrestle through a fight of faith, you are combating an enemy with an agenda to cloud your vision. And the little things that you did not think would offset you or hinder you 
or, or cloud, cloud what God was doing in your life, all of a sudden now you, you scratch in your spiritual eyes and, and now your, your, your nose is running and now, now you're uncomfortable and you don't even know if God can do it anymore. But for those who desire to walk in victory and advance the kingdom of God, vision is not optional. It is a necessity because spiritual vision stirs that internal belief that God is in your future. His word says that he sees the end from the beginning. I want to let the enemy know that. He sees my end from the beginning. And according to Ephesians 1.11, he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The God who created us is the same God who brought order to chaos, form to formless, and purpose to nothingness. And you may feel like that today, like your life is formless, your future may look void of purpose, and you are in a season of nothingness. But I want to give you a word today. God knows exactly where you are at. He's got a book on your life. He's not done writing. He's not done with your story. It's not over. This isn't the end. God knows exactly what he is doing. And let me give you a word. You can write this down. You can take it to the bank. God had a strategy long before the enemy ever planned the attack. God already had it. He already had a Romans 8 and 28. He already said, I'm going to work all that together. The enemy don't even know what he's getting ready to do. The enemy's nervous tonight because he knows if you can get your faith lifted back up and you can get your vision back, then all of a sudden God's going to begin to work some things out that you didn't think. Tomorrow is going to be better than today. Listen, Friday's going to be better than Thursday. Saturday's going to be good and Sunday. And my, why? Not because of what I see, but my spiritual vision says so every twist of the plot in your story is for the best when God's working on it every new character you ever had somebody come in your life you're like man who is this cat that's somebody that God placed in your life every unexpected event you ever had an event you was like man I didn't I didn't expect that to happen you know what that is that's a tool of God's grace that he's going to use in your life each new chapter advances his purpose and all we have to do is say God I'm going to hold on to my vision and not my sight I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell them he's working it out I want you to tell them like you mean it he's working it out I want you to push aside every bit of doubt and I want you to tell them he is working it out I'm, 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 we're going to sit here till you believe it. He is working it out. The enemy, you've been losing sleep. You've been about to have a nervous breakdown. And God has sent me here to tell you he is working. He's working it out. He, well, musicians, you come. I'll finish this another time. He's working it out. Come on, I feel faith. I feel faith in this place. He's working it out. It's sight, it, it, it's physical versus vision, which is spiritual. And to be relegated to living with natural sight and no spiritual vision is to live with the greatest limitation in life. Because natural eyes can reveal what God has done, but spiritual eyes allow us to see things that God is going to do. You see what God has done, but can you see what he's getting ready to do? You know what faith does? Watch what faith does. Faith, first off, I, I got a lot to say. I got a lot to say. I didn't close this thing down, but I got a lot to say. 
Watch this. When you tap into faith, not only can you see spiritually, but the enemy becomes blinded to what God's getting ready to do in your life. If you go back to Elisha and that, that servant, when that King Aram sent that army and they surrounded them and that servant goes out and he sees this army surrounding them. And literally he's like, he comes in, he says, prophet, what, what are we going to do? The prophet says, God opened his eyes. Isn't it amazing? I love this generational thing because sometimes you've got to lean on an elder that's been through some things. Look, the young man could see better than Elisha. His vision was better. That old prophet was getting old. He probably had some bivocals he kept in his briefcase everywhere he went. But that prophet had been through some things. That when he was surrounded by opposition and he didn't know what was going to happen, he didn't fret, he didn't fear. Matter of fact, he told that, he told that servant, the first thing he said is fear not. You allow an anxiety to control your life. Listen to me, lad. I've been through some things. And God's never let me down. Fear not. Look behind that army because what's surrounding you is surrounded by the very angelic host. But watch this. When that army got ready to come down, Elisha said, strike him with blindness, God. And he goes out and he takes them by the hand. Because when you get your vision back, the enemy loses his. Go read it. It says that, Ar that Armenian army never raided Israel again. Because the prophet said, I've got a vision that bypasses my sight. And when my sight says this is how it's going to end, my spiritual vision says, no, not yet. It's not over just yet. If the enemy would have knew what the crucifixion would have done for us, that he would have never allowed the Savior to be crucified. And can I tell you, that didn't end with Elisha, and that didn't end at Calvary. If the enemy knew what God's getting ready to work in your life, he would have left you alone a long time ago. Come on, if the enemy knew this was going to make you stronger and not weaken you, if the enemy knew that you're going to grow from this and not retract, if the enemy knew that your praise was going to be better, that you were going to hunger and thirst for the things of God, he would have never brought this in your life. But it's pushing you. Hear me, hear me. I've got a lot to say. If the opposition in your life is because God trusts you. And you wouldn't be going through the things that you're going through if God didn't trust you. You see, a trust is different than a savings account. A trust has an actual purpose of where it's going. It's put aside for something specific. And the favor on your life is a prerequisite of the trust that God has in you not to break down as you walk through what you're going through. Joseph, can I allow them to take your coat but not take your vision? Joseph, can I put you through some things 
And Joseph, can I trust you not to get bitter because the reason you're going through what you're going through is because there's a famine that's coming to the land. And if you don't go through what you go through, you can't save the people that I need you to save. I know it looked like opposition. I know it looked like hate. But I've been working behind the scenes, Joseph, when you had no clue what I was working in your life. Watch when Joseph finally, finally reveals himself to his brothers he said y'all meant it for evil but God meant it for good because sometimes my sight and when I'm talking about sight I'm talking about your physical five senses that you feel with that when your heart is being torn out and your faith is weak and your shield has been battered and you're trying to figure out how am I going to go another day for you to pull out some scriptures and say I've got to read it I've got to write it I've got to walk in it. I've got to operate in it. Because when I come out of this, I must see everything that God was doing that I didn't even understand. I'm trying to help somebody understand today. Blind Bartimaeus, can you still cry out even though you don't see Jesus, but you feel him coming your way? Hush, Bartimaeus, hush! Just a blind beggar. Now, son of David, have mercy on me. Because Bartimaeus couldn't see like everybody else saw. But there was something on the inside of him. There was a vision that says, if I can just get the attention of Jesus, I will no longer be a blind beggar. Sometimes I wonder if we've got it so good. We no longer think that we're a beggar needing a Savior to help us in our lives. I got up this morning and I prayed. I said, God, there's attacks. There's things that happen. Words hurt. Life is rough. Ministry is tough. God, you trusted me with a vision. And some of you are here today, you feel forgotten. But can I ask you a question? And I'm done. What if you feel them forgotten as a part of God developing the vision in your life? What if? If you overreact to every emotion, then you're filling with sight and not with spiritual vision. What if, what if where God has you and what he's doing in your life, he's really trying to elevate you tonight? What if? But he wants to know, how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do? What is going to be your response? And listen, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Today I locked up all day because the enemy has been telling me, just shut down. Oh, he, well, he, don't, he don't tell you that? He don't tell you, just shut down? Why? You know what I said? I'm about to encourage myself in the Lord. 
Because if I quit today, I might miss the 25 people that's going to get baptized on Sunday. I might miss it. I might, if I, if I don't show up and preach tonight, I might miss the very blessings that God has been preparing me for. Let's stand. Hear me today. Live churches are churches with vision and are constantly changing. Dead churches don't have to. Live churches has noise, excitement, issues, growing pains. Live churches' expenses sometimes exceed their income. Dead churches take in more than they ever dreamed of spending. Live churches are constantly improving for the future, and dead churches worship their past. Live churches focus on people. Dead churches focus on programs. Live churches dream great dreams for God, and dead churches relive nightmares. Live churches don't have can't in their vocabulary. They've got we will. Live churches evangelize and dead churches fossilize. And I can tell you tonight, I don't want to be a fossil in the house of the Lord. Though the inward man, though the outward man is passing away, the inward man is being renewed day by day by day by day. And this is what the scripture says in Acts 2 and 17. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. When you stop dreaming dreams and having visions. Is when every bit of favor and blessing in your life stops. But if you can reach one more time, if you can, if you can, if you can go look one more time day after day and say, hey, there, there isn't many clouds in the sky, but man, I just sense there's getting ready to be rain. I just, I just sense, I just sense. I just sense, I feel it. I want every eye closed and I want every hand lifted in this place. Can I trust you, Joseph? Elisha, can I trust you to see? And it seems like you're surrounded. Can I trust your vision? Because there's people that are hanging on your vision. And if you quit and you give up and you stop, but if you'll reach. And look, can I prophesy to you right now? Can I prophesy to somebody in this place? When you leave here, you're no longer going to walk by sight. But you're going to leave here saying, God's getting ready to work in my life. God's getting ready to put some things together that I had no clue that he could even. Come on, we, we all been there. We had doubt. Can God even do it? You getting ready to leave here believing that God can. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Go.